You are listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast, the weekly show where we take a look at some epic marketing failures, along with some pretty amazing brand rescues and comebacks. And now your hosts, Nico and Chad. Hey, Chad. Yeah. Which do you prefer, a snatch or a clean and jerk? Oh, that's tough. And I really They're hope both... people know what we're talking about. It sounds a little bit... <laughs> yeah, yeah. May not sound quite right. <laughs> yes, definitely, I would say clean and jerk. I really enjoy snatching as well, but I'm better at clean and jerk. Hmm. So, you know, it's a little bit funner to, to do an exercise that you're better at. Yeah, I'm the exact opposite. I can't really clean and jerk properly. I can jerk well, but I can't clean hmm. because I've done a very good elbow mobility. So I much prefer snatching, but I haven't really snatched in... Yeah, every two years now, I stopped doing Olympic lifting when I moved into powerlifting. Mm. But yeah, so we are going to be doing something a little bit different today. We're actually pulling our episode we wanted to publish today because we wanted to talk about something that's happening today in the news. So it's going to be a little bit of a different episode, but we wanted to talk about CrossFit and what's happening in CrossFit. Greg Glassman, the founder, grew the company as a Maverick CEO. And this is worked for him up until now, but basically it's kind of like caught up with him. And this is actually a really interesting concept. We have other Maverick CEOs like Elon Musk that has really drive innovation through the provocative vein. And maybe we should even do an episode on, on all of that. But both Chad and I are super disappointed with the insensitive and racist comments that Greg has made. And more importantly, his consequent actions in the aftermath. So much so that we're going to be distancing ourselves from the CrossFit brand unless something major changes. And keep in mind that Greg owns the entire company. So when I'm talking about major changes, there needs to be a equity change as well versus just putting a new CEO in place. There is no room in the world for people like Greg. And obviously, he's been a racist his entire life. But thanks to social media, a light's now shined on him and other people like him. We've talked a lot about the importance of equality and the reality of how racism can systematically influence the entire system of our society. And CrossFit is a really good example of that. And we'll talk about the specific demographics in a bit, but there are not many black athletes or gym goers within CrossFit. It's a bit like a town of little gnomes where they broadcast and they say, all giants are welcome, but all the doors into their buildings, giants can't fit. And that's kind of like what CrossFit is doing. And to be clear, when we talk about our love for CrossFit today, don't misunderstand that for us looking the other way or that we don't mind what Greg has done. He's a racist, period. And we condemn it from a personal and a professional point of view. It's a a really interesting story and both Chad and I We've been doing CrossFit for many years. I actually stopped about a year ago just to focus on weightlifting, but we both were in the cult for a long time. <laughs> we drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> we swam in the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, say whatever you want to say about it, though. You know, people joke about it, but if I can join a cult that makes me healthier and stronger, sign me up. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the big appeals about CrossFit and why it's grown so quickly is because... It really teaches you things that you can do to make your life better. Like one of the main things that they talk about is nutrition in addition to exercise. Very famous quote from Greg Glassman, who's the founder of CrossFit. He says, eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, 
little starch, and no sugar. Yeah, like a handful of each or something like that, as far as I remember. Yeah, so it's basically saying keep your nutrition good and in check, eat real food, and try to get some exercise. And that's a great message for everyone, right? Yeah, and it's so interesting. For years, I've been wanting to check it out because I love the competitive nature a little bit, what I've heard about it. But I have feet issues in both my feet. I've got Morton's neuroma and plantar fasciitis and just lots mm. of other stuff. So I was always very hesitant to join. But when I did, I was so surprised that they customize all the different workouts around any issue you might have. And I was so surprised with the sense of community. You just walk into the box, like CrossFit people call it, the gym. And everybody is just there to greet you and to say welcome and to help you through the workouts. And it's definitely like a mini community that's part of the larger CrossFit community family, right? It's yeah. super community oriented, which is amazing because you need that within fitness because it's people that hold you accountable. Yeah, instead of it being like this punishment, right? Like, yeah. oh man, I have to go to the gym because I ate this hamburger I shouldn't have eaten or <laughs> this milkshake, whatever. Yeah, They really turned it into something that was very inspirational and made you feel good about yourself, even if you're not fit, right? Like that's one of yeah. the cool things is the last person, It's this is just kind of a cultural thing in CrossFit, the last person to finish, the one that's struggling the most everybody will like cheer them on. Like this is a literal normal scene is people will actually yeah. clap and cheer for the person who is the last person to finish. And it just makes you feel great. Yeah. I remember you and I did a competition once in up in LA or, or north of LA. Yeah. It was just that. Remember that people that finished last on the competition floor, everybody would like cheer for them. And it didn't matter that people cheering fast. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this, because this we little... were the last people finishing. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. But anyway, yeah. for those people that's been locked down in quarantine or that live under a rock full time, why, why don't you tell us what CrossFit is? Finally, you have your time, Chad, where you can ramble about CrossFit as much as you want. Ooh, that's awesome. Yes, <laughs> it's something that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, so CrossFit was basically formally established in 2000 by Greg Glassman, and the company's first affiliate was mm -hmm. CrossFit North in Seattle. And affiliates are like franchises. It kind of operates under like a franchise-type model. So by 2005, there were 13 affiliates. And in 2012, just a dozen years after the company started, there were 3,400 affiliates worldwide. Wow, it's a massive growth. Right from the beginning, it grew really, really quickly, and we'll see it progress even further. But basically, what CrossFit is, or how it was established, is that it tried to define what fitness is, tried to come up with an actual measurable definition of fitness that could just span across all types of exercises and ways that you could test fitness. I think you just hit it on the nail that the measurability of that is so important, because you can go to the gym and do a workout on weights or free weights or the treadmill and you can go back the next day and it's very difficult to measure if you've improved like actual real hardcore data that you can see improvement from a day-to-day -day perspective and talk to us a little bit about how that works within crossfit how you measure that yeah so within crossfit they kind of talk about that it's functional fitness and so they kind of 
define that as constantly varied functional movements performed at high intensity. And the purpose of that is that it allows you to be prepared for any type of situation where fitness might be needed. So they talk about it crossing like a broad range from short kind of immediate bursts of dynamic explosiveness to long endurance and having what they call general physical preparedness across that entire spectrum. Yeah, the function of fitness is what appeals to a lot of people because all the movements that you do is things that you do on a day-to-day basis. It's picking up your children. I mean, a burpee is literally getting off from lying on the floor after you broke your hip, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. people embrace the suck, like they say, because they... <laughs> They learn to get better. Yeah, so looking at the numbers of CrossFit, it's super interesting. The demographic of the people doing it, the biggest age group, about 40% of the participants are between 25 and 34, 15% between 35 and 44, and the rest kind of like evenly distributed. Male and female, exactly 50%, 50%. And I think that's important to note because CrossFit is all about being inclusive. And we'll talk a little bit about (laughs) The irony of saying that, we were just beating that up before we started recording, but from a female perspective, they get paid the same amount of money as the men. On the surface, it's a super equal organization, not just from who works at CrossFit HQ, but also from the participants, the people that actually do the sport. Their income, average income is $150,000, which is very, very high compared to the national average. 59% of all CrossFitters have children, which is also really interesting. 86% of all CrossFitters are white, they're Caucasian. And that's not very inclusive, right? And and I I think that is very telling on the leadership and the way they've built the company because that's kind of like what sparked this whole thing that we're going to talk about today. And then 40% of all CrossFitters have a postgraduate degree. So educated, high-end, high-income, family, white. Yes. Very inclusive. (laughs) And that's kind of the (laughs) very strange contradiction that when you walk into a box, it doesn't matter what ethnicity, what background. Yeah, but you were a white guy walking into a box. That's true. But but so in think about if you were a black guy walking into a box and you were the only black guy there. Your box that had a lot of people, yeah. I think there are two or three thousand yeah. people. How many black people were there? Probably four. Well, well very inclusive. <laughs> and well, and I, I, I think that one of the biggest problems with that is just financially. Yeah, it's really expensive. It's very expensive. And, and so yeah. that's a problem. The lack of accessibility is a big problem that CrossFit has, has never really been able to address. I remember once reading an article about why CrossFit is so expensive. And you think of like a normal gym membership that you go to 24-hour fitness or whatever. You pay your $80 a month. And then most people go to the gym, something ridiculous, like once a month or once a quarter, like the average gym goer. So if you take that money that they spend on facilitating the fitness user coming into the gym and what they pay compared to CrossFit, where you pay $150 a month, but the average CrossFitter goes to the box five days a week. So if you do an apples to apples comparison, (laughs) it is actually not that expensive. It's actually right. very cheap considering how often people go and the level of coaching and the level of participation that they have. Yep. 
So how big is CrossFit for the people that don't know it? Like, is this like a million dollar company? Is this a hundred thousand dollar company? <laughs> well, CrossFit has been all over the news this last week. And part of that is because of the size. Yeah. It's become a massive organization, about $4 billion a year. You see, I don't think people realize how big CrossFit is. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, when I went to a box the first time, four or five years ago, I didn't even know CrossFit was a company. I thought CrossFit was like yoga. Do you know what I mean? Like you go walk into <laughs> right. a yoga studio, there's not a yoga ink somewhere owned by somebody. And I just thought CrossFit was a functional fitness and a way of doing movements. And I didn't even know that it was an actual company. You know what I mean? Like a company owned and founded by somebody. Right. Yeah. They've done a really good job of leveraging experience as a method to drive organic growth for a brand, a corporate brand. And it's grown so well that there's now 15,000 locations across 162 countries, or there were 15,000 wow. affiliates across 162 countries. And they do and a really good job in protecting their brand, the name CrossFit. Yes, they have been super protective and very litigious from day one about protecting the brand, suing anybody who kind of comes at them and says that the sport is dangerous or can injure people. They're very, very careful with how they've crafted their perception. There's a really cool article on Inc.com and it's called Do Not Cross CrossFit. <laughs> and they talk about they talk about just that. And just one quote from it, let me just find it here. It says, CrossFit now has seven lawyers on staff and at any given time, engaging 20 to 30 outside law firms to pursue trademark infringement cases. Wow. Crazy, right? That's a lot of activity for a fitness company. Yeah. So <laughs> if we think of like, how did they get this big? I mean, how did they grow from one affiliate doing a small little workout in somebody's garage to a $4 billion company? Yeah, well, part of it was really just utilizing that kind of franchise model. And then also they have built a really interesting community in that it's not only just regular fitness, they've also turned it into a competition. Yeah, And so everything about CrossFit is competing against yourself as well as competing against everyone else in your CrossFit gym and in the broader CrossFit community. And so they've organized this thing called the CrossFit Games where everybody around the world can come and compete. And they have a CrossFit Open where mm -hmm. anybody can register and compete in the Open. And if you- Like 25 bucks. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's very low cost of entry. And if you do well enough, you get automatic entry into the CrossFit Games, which has become this really big event. It's like the Olympics of fitness. Yeah. And they crown a fittest on earth across a bunch of different categories. It's like it's really taken fitness and gamified it. Yeah, and then also created stars within the fitness community Yeah, that kind of the average Joes want to be like and want to follow along with. And so they've taken a lot of the elements of traditional sports where you have these superstars that are the champions that are amazing, making them very accessible to the community and allowing kind of everyday people to kind of participate in such a way that they feel like, hey, maybe one day I could be, you know, even if I'm not a champion, maybe I could be kind of like that 
star that I see. Yeah. And so it really inspired a lot of growth. And if we think of the brand perception of CrossFit, you know, to my point earlier that I didn't even know that it was a company that's kind of like done out of design, right? So it's the, like the local grocery store. You think it's your local family grocery store, but it's owned by Kroger in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> I think they yeah. did a really good job in making the brand feel like a local community. Yeah. And I think that's why initially it was kind of perceived as a bunch of crazy people doing these really bizarre, potentially dangerous exercises and like this cult-like atmosphere. But they've really, as you've mentioned, tried to craft the perception. They've really improved the quality of coaching and the level of certification and training that it takes to become a CrossFit coach. And the way that they bring beginners in is much more careful and methodic now to prevent injuries. And it's very, very thoughtful. And that being said, the brand has kind of gone through multiple shifts and cycles of evolution where they've kind of gone forward and backward because they've had a very erratic approach. And from a corporate perspective, they've done a very poor job at communicating with the existing community around how they're trying to drive the brand forward. And that's invited a lot of controversy. So for example, in 2019, shortly after announcing some major changes to the game's format with like little to no warning to the community that a lot of people were upset with. Shortly after that, they completely just closed off and took down their social media accounts. Yeah, and these social media accounts were huge, right? And they blamed it essentially of being worried about Facebook shutting down their accounts from a privacy concern. So literally, <laughs> Craig, the CEO and founder, he got annoyed with the possibility of Facebook controlling their brand so he wanted to change it they wouldn't change it because they're not going to you know just change their policies for one person so he just shut everything down and if you think about it that was him greg that had an issue with a facebook policy but every single person in crossfit had to pay the price for it and that's kind of like the root of what we're talking about here today greg himself is somebody that's a little bit provocative and he can shoot from the hip and i think that's been super successful in CrossFit, but it's also been his Achilles heel. For him just to shut down CrossFit on all social media platforms made the people that love the sport suffer because they couldn't get content from headquarters and from, from the CrossFit games. And that's just, in a way, selfish. And you mentioned it earlier, most big companies have boards as like a safety net for rogue CEOs. And CrossFit it doesn't exist there. It's Greg and it's Greg. <laughs> and and <laughs> yes. I think we have now seen finally it caught up with him, but shutting down the social media in 2019 was like the beginning of the end. So let's get into the meat of what's really bringing us here today to talk about. Yeah. So a while back, there were a few different quotes from him where he, first of all, was calling the whole COVID-19 thing a overdramatic hoax and it's not worth putting people in quarantine. The mental damage that we're doing on people by locking them up through a stay-at-home order is worse than exposing them to the virus. And this caused a lot of different people to be upset because the whole premise of CrossFit is built on science and it's built on fitness. 
And that was kind of like disengaged with a lot of the, as we just discussed, higher educated, higher income individuals that didn't agree with that. So I think that was like the beginning where people started to see a crack in Greg. And this was recently, right? This is like two months ago. Yeah. And to add to that kind of conflicting nature of how CrossFit has been communicating at the corporate level, there was an element within those communications about the coronavirus that were kind of like fat shaming and essentially just saying, well, if people would just get off carbs, then the coronavirus won't hurt them. And that's kind of not exactly the type of message you want to give if your brand is all about trying to get people who are overweight and need the CrossFit methodology. It's not very smart to insult the people who are your target audience that you're trying to expand into yeah, and have it come across as insensitive to them. And especially knowing that coronavirus, yes, obesity is a risk factor, but it also affects old people. It also affects children. It also, there have been a lot of healthy people who have suffered and died from it. So it's just kind of a insensitive and dangerous thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. And then as of late, as we all know, there's a lot of tension as it relates to police brutality. And there's been this massive push again from Black Lives Matter And there was a tweet that was released by the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation. And it just read, racism is a public health issue, which is a fair statement, I would say. (laughs) Very fair. Greg replied, he just replied to the tweet and he said, it's Floyd-19. And that was just the beginning of it. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. <laughs> Even though if you're thinking that COVID-19 is a over-dramatized hoax or racism is not true, as a CEO of a company that touts inclusivity, why do you do that? What are you trying to gain? I don't understand what he thought that he was going to gain. Even if he scores some kind of cheap dunk on the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation on their social media campaign. What's the point of that? To your point, what does that accomplish? It doesn't accomplish anything in terms of moving either the CrossFit mission forward or helping to solve any of the problems that that Greg advocates for. And not only that, it's incredibly racist and insensitive when you look at just the community that is suffering in a major way and to take somebody who was murdered and just completely make light of that and almost call that a hoax. (laughs) You know, I just, I'm at a loss of words. I just don't even know how to even. I know, it's horrible. Catherine Rossman from the New York Times wrote, Greg Lassman, who started the fitness movement that's grown for decades, spun CrossFit into disaster in just days. The problem is when that happened, he didn't really come out and f- apologize. He tiptoed around an apology. He wrote later, I made a mistake by words I chose yesterday. My heart is deeply saddened by the pain it has caused. It was a mistake, not racist, but a mistake. That there is the problem. On this show, we've talked a lot of times when brands need to own up and they need to 
say that they've made a mistake. I'm just thinking of the brand that went back to the future episode regarding Coke. They screwed up and they owned it and they apologized about it and they made it better. For him to say it was a mistake, not racist, but a mistake, you know, unquote, that's just horrible. That's not owning it. That's not saying you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And we can now see, as we talk about more the fallout here, that has really hurt him as the founder of the company, but just as a community as large. So you talked about all these stars that we have within the games. They've all pulled away from him. So Tiatumi, which won the games multiple times, said that his apology was pathetic. Rich Froning, which won the games, I think, four times. He distanced himself from CrossFit. Matt Frazier, the same thing, was won the games in the last four years. I read a crazy stat that up to 40% of all boxers resigned, if that's the right word. They pulled themselves away from the affiliation of CrossFit. Your box in Lake Forest did the same thing, right? Talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, and it happened quickly. Like within days. Yes, yes. Like over the weekend, the box that I've gone to for a number of years and really just love and, and support, they immediately made the decision that, hey, this is something we just cannot be a part of. And a lot of people have been putting a lot of pressure as they should on CrossFit. And it's a difficult situation because the average gym owner of a CrossFit gym has nothing to do with Greg Glassman. And by canceling a subscription to your gym, that doesn't hurt Greg. It hurts your your local business, yeah. right? And it hurts your local community. And so there's been a lot of back and forth about what is the right way to not intentionally trying to hurt Greg, but just simply to hold him accountable and to drive change within the system. Because that's really at the end of the day, what it's about is making sure that something that is a really positive force stays a positive force and doesn't suffer from all of the problems that systemic racism causes in organizations, especially when it's from the top down. Yeah, I was really impressed with how quickly a lot of these CrossFit owners, local owners, affiliations just pulled out completely. It's really impressive. And what didn't help during this time, there was a leaked Zoom call recording of Greg talking to some of his affiliate owners and some of his staff. And he's quoted to say in this thing that he says, we're not mourning for George Floyd. I don't think me or any of my staff are. That is just so tone death, right? We're a nation right now that are dealing with the national crisis, two national crises. Right. That's like running in parallel. And then for him to say that we're not mourning what's going on, it is complete being tone deaf and it's caught up with him as an organization that touts inclusivity and wanting people to be part of your organization. And the door is open for anybody to say that only fat people get COVID-19 and that he's George Floyd's death wasn't racism are just, it's just out there, right? It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned here as the CrossFit community is trying to make sense of all of this. And there's been a change in, in leadership now that some people don't feel great about kind of what the next step is from a leadership perspective, either since Greg was essentially forced to resign, he stepped down, he called it retiring. But 
as of right now, he still owns 100% of the company. So yes, he's stepped down as the active CEO, but what does that really mean? He still controls the company and can direct it. Yeah, he still owns it. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm curious to see with what's going to happen in the future. If even though they put a new CEO on the helm of the ship, it's still his ship. So all the money that affiliates are paying, that $3,000 per year, that gets paid to Greg if people are going to distance themselves further with just the brand CrossFit. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be associated with this personally. Exactly. They just haven't really, to what we've seen so far in the initial issue, you know, the initial sets of apologies and attempts at damage control just completely fell short. And to this date, what they've done so far hasn't really made a big difference. There haven't been these really strong statements coming out about how they're going to change it or what they're going to do to change and how they're going to make sure that they don't have the wrong influences creeping into CrossFit. There's been this very generic general statements that don't really address anything head on or specifically. And I think that's a a big thing that we talk about a lot is addressing things head on and not skirting around things because people can notice when things are not authentic. Yeah, so Dave Castro, who previously had the director of CrossFit Games role, so he was the guy that designed a lot of the the workouts that you see at the CrossFit Games, he was quoted to say, our shared bond brings together millions of people with differing opinions, viewpoints, and experiences. Friction is inevitable. That in itself to me is just wrong. This is not friction. It's just being racist. Right. Anyway, common grounds, mutual respect, and fellowship must all be inevitable. So I don't know, man. I I don't feel like they're handling this very well. You know, they are touting to be all-inclusive, but their action speaks differently. So to wrap this up, I mean, what are the things that jumped out at us? I think, first of all, what CEOs tweet or say matters to people even if they do it in isolation. Greg is not a fitness person. I think he had a gymnastics accident when he was younger. So if you look at him, he doesn't embody CrossFit, right? He doesn't look like this CrossFit athlete. But he is CrossFit, right? So people associate him with CrossFit. So what CEOs tweet and say really matters. You know, don't allow your brand to be just one single person that they can hijack. And that's exactly what happened over here. We've got a $4 billion company without a board and one rogue CEO. Be consistent and transparent in your communication. Like we've seen so many different conflicting where what CrossFit's HQ, the brand stands for, and then what Greg says or tweets are not aligned Right, And I think that's what's created a lot of this roof, right? Because right. if it's his company, he's got to embody what CrossFit is all about. And then lastly, from my point of view, is like look at contradictions in your brand and actively work on solving them. I felt that this whole thing could have been resolved so quickly, but the reason why it can't be resolved so quickly is because of the DNA of Greg, right? This is who he right. really is. And I think he's right. hid it for long enough. And at some point, his true colors are going to come forward. And now it did. And now everybody's distancing themselves from him and the brand. Right. And I think just as a marketing organization, you have to have a very high degree of self-awareness. 
<laughs> yeah. right? Like yeah, yeah. you got to understand how other people perceive you and why that matters. And it's not to say that brands should just pander to the court of public opinion, but at the end of the day, you need to understand what your values are, how you're going to communicate those consistently, how you're perceived, and be aware of the gaps between what you think you are and what you really are, so that you can work on those gaps and, and try to close those, not only from just a, a messaging perspective externally, but really internally in terms of how you actualize your brand and bring it forward. So you also have to consider the opinions of not just your existing target audience, who may not be maybe quite as offended, even though we saw the vast majority of the CrossFit community was, was very offended through this process and has taken swift action. But you also have to think about who you're trying to reach next, who your target customer is versus your existing customer. And CrossFit had been on this really big push over the last few years to expand both globally and ethnically. They changed the games from being a kind of a U.S. event to a global event where they crowned champions from 162 countries and had those champions come to the CrossFit Games and compete. So they'd really been trying to broaden and expand their base. And then you have this completely contradictory internal corporate system that is fighting against what they're trying to accomplish. You know, and I think that also just brings me to kind of the next learning, which is there's nothing that's private anymore. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, especially yeah. if you put it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Text messages, Zoom calls, internal company meetings. We often quote stuff here as like leaked documents or leaked emails or leaked. You're right. Nothing is private anymore. Yeah, exactly. So whether or not you're in the marketing department or you're an executive of a company, you really just always should conduct yourself under the assumption that private conversations will be made public at some point. And I think that's just in general a good rule of thumb for just how to be as a person, for consistency of just who you are as, as a person and making sure that you're living your life that's consistent with your values, whatever those values are. This is a fantastic lesson in corporate compliance. Let's wrap it up there. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast. This show is hosted by Nico Katsia and Chad Childress, the co-founders of KPI Agency, a marketing rescue agency. Be sure to visit marketingrescuepodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, contact the hosts, and discover fantastic bonus content.